for believers, we have to ask forgiveness on a daily basis because uh, David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So in order for the Lord to hear our petitions, our prayer, then we have to confess our sins on a daily basis. But uh, for those who are still outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, you have never embodied Jesus into your heart as a Lord and Savior, then what you need is not only for it's not only confession but also repentance. You have to repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart to receive forgiveness of your sins and to receive eternal life. That's exactly what God promised to every child of God. And uh, good afternoon, folks. Thank God that there is a, uh, a specific day set aside then uh, that we could we could celebrate the greatest uh, one of the greatest virtues of a Christian that is charity or love, amen. Uh, not only uh, love for human relationships, but also the greatest love of God shed shed abroad in our hearts, amen. Now, before the message, I would like to share to you a song. It's a good thing I didn't uh, sing that, uh, <laughs> consider the song, The Love of God, because uh, Pastor Jeter <laughs> requested the congregation to sing it. At any rate, uh, the Bible says in uh, John eight thirty six. The Lord Jesus Christ said, if, we, if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall uh, uh, be free indeed. And uh, the song I'm going to share to you, uh, folks, I would never get bored or never get tired of singing the song. And I hope also you do the same. You never get bored and never get tired of listening to the song entitled, I'm Free. So long I had searched for laps meeting in and my dream Then the door of my prison was opened by love For the ransom was paid I was free I'm free from the fear of tomorrow I'm free from the guilt of my past For I traded my shackles For a glorious song I am 
He made me complete He forgot how foolish I used to be I'm free from the fear of tomorrow I'm free from the guilt of my past For I've traded my shackles for a glorious song. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of my past for I've traded my shackles for the glorious song I'm free praise the Lord free at last I'm free praise the Lord free at last I'm free Praise the Lord free at last. Amen. Thank you, beloved. Now today, uh, the world uh, celebrates Valentine's Day. Now the question, beloved, how did the human heart become uh, associated with love? And how did it turn into the, the shape we know today? Have you thought of it? Why not uh, the human liver? Why not the human heart? I mean, uh, human lungs or brain? Or perhaps, why not the kidney? Huh? Why heart? Now, we see the familiar symbol for love as a shape of a heart everywhere. You know, in text messages, in signs, and in cakes, in flowers, and clothing, and more. But we also know, according to ideas.ted.com, that the real heart looks nothing like it. They said that the Greek philosophers agreed, they agreed more or less, uh, that the heart was a link to our strongest emotions, including love. That's uh, probably the reason why. Now, according to my research, beloved, among the ancient Romans, the association between uh, the heart and love was commonplace. 
that uh, Venus, uh, the goddess of love, was uh, credited or blamed for setting hearts on fire with uh, the aid of her son, Cupid. A horse darts aimed at the human heart were always overpowering. Yun pala ang history ng, or kasasayan ng uh, kapag tinamaan ka ni Kopido, ang ibig sabihin, ikaro ay umibig na. Huh? By, by the way, beloved, do you know why we married people wear the wedding ring on the fourth finger of our left hand? Not in other, any other finger? Do you have any idea, huh? married people? Okay, according to my study, the ancient Romans held a curious belief that the heart, that there was a, a, a vein or ogat sa Tagalog Cebuano. There was a vein extending from the fourth finger of the left hand directly to the heart. And they call it uh, Vina Amores. So if a married person is not wearing his or her ring or putting it on the, on the, on the other finger, then uh, you are practically you know, falling around with someone. You're not supposed to. Or... You know, you have the plan to seduce or flirting with someone. You know, uh, that's end of story. Huh? Did you hear that married couple? Get some water. And you don't have any uh, alibis on that. If you say, Pastor Box, I cannot afford to buy a ring. <laughs> Folks, I have a lot of rings. I have a lot of uh, this uh, <laughs> uh, white gold rings. If you're interested, let me know, okay? <laughs> I could uh, share some of those. So that's the story, beloved. Now today we joined and celebrate uh, with the Americans to celebrate Valentine's Day. Even men and women around the world celebrate those, uh, you know, closest uh, to them with, you know, extravagant uh, acts of love, sending cards and chocolates and flowers and other gifts are exchanged. As a matter of fact, even Facebook this time, you could see a lot of these ladies or uh, wives, they would uh, share or post their beautiful roses of flowers. And they would say, they're so proud to say, you know, giving from my, my husband, loving husband. And that's beautiful, isn't it? Eh? Now, uh, all of them sweep with or designed in the form of traditional hearts. Again, how did the shape modeled after the internal organ emerge as the universal symbol for the emotion of love? 
According to my study, again, it was around the Middle Ages that the heart symbol took it or took on its current meaning. At that time, according to Christian theology, it was meant to uh, represent Jesus Christ and his love. Then devout Christians began to inject that icon into art and literature from that era. When Valentine's Day originated in England in the 60s, 60s, 16s, as I say, 1600s, the heart symbol was the obvious choice for symbol to reflect the new holiday. But the sermon, beloved, this afternoon is a contrast between the heart as a symbol of love and the heart as a symbol of sin, where you can find a lot of this in our scriptures or in the Bible. Now, one theologian said that the heart in the scripture refers, uh, generally speaking, to the whole of man considered as a, a moral being choosing, you know, evil or bad or good, I should say. Now, it has uh, several faculties, including mind, including emotions, will, and conscience. And these were designed to function in a hierarchy or harmonious agreement, but not so since the fall of man, Adam and Eve. In the Garden of Eden, of course. Now, the heart in its uh, deceitfulness and its uh, unsearchableness increases the impact and the power of indwelling sin upon us. And I would say, sad to say. Now, uh, our text can be found in Jeremiah chapter 17. Usually we just read uh, 9, but I would consider 10 here also. And then Mark chapter 7, 21 to 23. So please, again in reverence to God's word, shall we all rise and uh, read the Together, the passage of scriptures, beloved, this afternoon, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses uh, uh, 9 and then 10, because that's where I'm getting the, the very topic or title of my sermons today. Did you find it, folks? Okay, let's read it together now. Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And then uh, we'll jump to uh, Mark uh, chapter 7. Okay, there you go. Okay. Uh, the Bible says, For from within, out of the heart, let's listen together also, beloved. From within, just, just look on the screen. Maybe be here. Together now. For whom, from within, out of the heart of men, 
proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thieves, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. See, that's the nature of the heart, beloved, as a symbol of sin in the, in the scriptures. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Great God, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. As the psalmist uttered, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. And thou hast said that we should love thee uh, with all our hearts. And as we study, O God, and ponder upon our text today, what you had said, uh, O Lord, to Jeremiah many years ago, that man's heart is deceitful above all things. As also King David also reminds us, O Lord, that if we regard iniquity in our hearts, you will not hear us. So we ask, Lord, to forgive, forgive us, O God, from our sins, from our trespasses and wrongdoings. And we ask, O God, for the cleansing so that the Holy Spirit can open our minds and our even understanding, O Lord, uh, to the great message you want us to learn and be blessed by it. I pray, O God, also for those who are still outside of Jesus Christ, that they would invite him to the Lord as the Lord and Savior to experience it in life. We ask all these things in Christ's precious name and for his sake alone. Amen. Amen. Let me say it now. Now, according to the word of God, beloved, we all have been diagnosed as having a heart problem. There was a, a joke, a story of uh, senior moments. A, uh, a senior guy went to the doctor, to his family doctor, and then uh, after that, uh, after he was diagnosed by his doctor, the following day, the doctor saw the senior guy, the old man, like with a very beautiful, gorgeous woman. And uh, that week also, that senior citizen guy came to see his family doctor. And then the family doctor, oh, I'm so shocked that you you have that beautiful and gorgeous woman with you the other day. And he said, Doc, the first time I came to you, you said, I have to be cheerful and get yourself a hot mama. Oh, no, the doctor said, I didn't say that to you. I said, be careful because you have a heart murmur. He misunderstood the doctor, his family doctor. Another man also went to see a doctor because he was having pains in his chest. He told the doctor about these pains. And the doctor examined the man and then uh, left the room and then came back with three different bottles of pills. The doctor said, uh, take this green pill with a big glass of water when you, were, when you wake up. 
and then take this blue pill uh, with a big glass of water after you eat lunch. And then uh, uh, take the blue uh, uh, pill with a big glass of water after you eat the, I mean, uh, it was the green actually, uh, when you wake up in the morning and then it was a blue pill with a big glass of water after you eat lunch. And then, then last before going to bed, take the red pill with another big glass of water. And then the man was, uh, you know, was startled to be put on so much medicine, so much colors of his med medicines, you know. And uh, 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 the, the man said, doctor, exactly what is my problem? And then the doctor replied, you're not drinking enough water. <laughs> That's why. You know, beloved, I consume like between five to seven bottles a day. And you know what they said? Because of so much medications I'm taking also. And you know what this is what comes in? Huh? Must also come out, isn't it? And they said that, uh, that's why they said that the comfort room or CR is uh, the senior citizen's best friend. You know? Now, we all have been diagnosed as having a heart problem, beloved, but uh, drinking a lot of water, I believe, will not solve our heart problem, isn't it? God's word tells us we all, and yes, that includes myself and everyone here, we all have a wicked heart. Amen? Amen. Now, the heart that the word of God is talking about here, beloved, is not actually the heart that is within our bodies pumping blood. Not at all. The heart that, is, that the, the Bible is talking about here is the soul of the soul or mind of man. It is the foundation of our thoughts, the foundations of our passions, our desires, our appetites, our affections, our purposes and endeavors. Now we do sinful things because we have a wicked heart. For example, beloved, we cough because we have a cold, isn't it? Huh? Not necessarily you have a COVID-19. The cough is a symptom of a deeper problem. Maybe a bacteria that has settled in our sinuses or in our lungs. Our sins, beloved, are the symptom of a deeper disorder. A sin bacteria that takes root. In a deceitful heart that is desperately wicked, the Bible says. Now, did anyone teach you how to sin? Did someone teach you how to sin, my beloved? Not at all, isn't it? No, you figure it out, you know, you figure it out all out by yourself, isn't it? And even when we are old enough to know better, we sin by choice. We sin uh, by nature. And that's you and me, all of us. Amen? All of us, we experience that. 
it is clear that an evil heart rarely develops overnight. Because almost uh, no one starts off by saying, you know, I think I will be, in a, I will be an evil person. Because it is a process of hardening that goes on over years with tragic results. There was a story of uh, a famous uh, preacher, Bill Hybels, shares a conversation he had after he had given a talk on sin. A guy came up to him after the service and said, you know, Pastor, all this talk about sin is making me feel really, you know, really bad. I, for one, don't consider myself much of a sinner. But this preacher, he said, Bill, felt he could shoot straight with this guy. So he said, well, maybe you're not. But let me ask you a few questions. You've been married 25 years. Have you, have you been absolutely 100% faithful to your wife the whole time? And the man laughed and said, well, you know, I'm a sales. I'm in sales business. I travel a lot. They both knew what he was admitting to, of course, as a salesman. And then the pastor said, okay, when you fill out your expense account, do you ever add something that wasn't strictly business? And the guy said, uh, he replied, everybody does that. And the pastor again said, okay, and when you are out there selling your product, do you ever exaggerate? And you will say it will do something it won't or promise to, to ship it tomorrow when you know it won't go out until next Tuesday. <laughs> and then the guy replied, that's the industry standard. And then the pastor looked straight at him and said, do you realize what you have last told me? Huh? You just, or oh, you just told me, he said, you just told me that you are an adulterer, you are a cheater, and you are a liar. And the man became very angry at the pastor, and he said, friend, nothing is gained by watering this, do this down. Just say it like it is. You are an adulterer, you are a cheater, and you are a liar. Now, beloved, we could go to the Bible and find the story of David here. A man after God's own heart. He was too, so close to God. One day, was sitting on a rooftop. Well, you know the, the, already the story, isn't it, folks? To the believers, the Christians. But if you don't know the story, here's what happened. Exactly what happened. He saw a beautiful woman bathing, bathing. And then he began to lust for her beautiful body. And then what? He committed an immoral act with her. And then what? He later killed the husband of this woman. David, when he first saw her, 
did not have it in, in, in mind that he would do such things. He would never thought of it. Huh? He would never imagine that it would happen to him. And yes, through the centuries of time, when men like David, if they uh, uh, could live their life over again, would live it differently, isn't it? Now, we cannot go back, beloved, in the, in, in our, and live our life over again. But I believe uh, we can have our sins forgiven and forgotten. And today we can become a new person in Christ. Once we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, there are certain expectations. Amen? We see in my, I only have two main points here, beloved. Okay? <laughs> the first point here, beloved. God expects us to change. Inaasahan ng Diyos ng ating pagbabago. Amen? Amen? Huh? The Lord, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, did not die from the most gruesome death or horrible death for you and me so we could keep on sinning. No, folks, not at all. Eh? Hindi, tayo, hindi niya tayo niligtas para patuloy na mag, mag, magkasala. Hindi po. Some people take of offense when a preacher preaches from Jeremiah 17 verse 9, our text, and tells them that they have a wicked heart. When a person accepts the Lord as their Savior, of course, beloved, obviously God expects them to live a different life than a simple life. That's like what the prayer of Baribami a while ago. We need change. A change of heart. Eh? The word of God teaches that when a person accepts the Lord, they are going to have a change of heart. Amen? That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if human being in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away. All things are become new. We are familiar with this part of scriptures. That the effect, the outcome... You know, the great Apostle Paul uh, bravely and courageously said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. He said, nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I know, I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He bravely and courageously stated this. And in my favorite passage of scriptures, Philippians chapter 3, 13 to 14, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are before. And I press toward the mark with that high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Courageously, bravely stated his beloved. Philippians 1, 21. Eh? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 4.13, April 13, that's my birth date. Eh? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Beloved, we cannot go back and relieve our past life. 
Amen? But we can do this. We can come to the Lord with our sins and ask the Lord to forgive them. Amen? Because repentance is essential for a genuine change. Ang pagsisisi na kinakilangan ng tunay na pagbabago. He will wash them away with His precious blood and make us into a born-again creature. You can start today as a new creature in Christ. Bilang bagong nilalang ng Panginoon, Iso Kristo, dito makikita ang tunay na pagbabago. Di ba? Now once you become a child of God and you become a new creature, a new person in Christ, as the Bible says, then your thinking changes. Yung pag-iisip natin, babaguhin, magbabago. Huh? Your behavior changes. Your uh, commitments also change. Your vocabulary changes as well. Even your attitude changes. Your lifestyle changes. But of course, as Baptists now, eating habit is difficult to change, isn't it? We love to eat. Huh? Sabi nila, mabaguhin na lang lahat ng bagay, wag lang yung pagkain. Huh? I'm telling you folks, huh? everything begins to change that does not uh, measure up to the, the kind of person that God wants us to be. Because I believe as a new creature, the things you once liked to do, you will no longer like to do it. Amen. The things that you once hated to do, you now will like to do it. It took me, beloved, for a while to quit smoking. It took me like 24 years. I was nine years old when I started smoking. And it was only back then in 1983. I was 33 years old that the, the Lord removed it from me. Not my own strength, ability to quit smoking. One day, there was a Bible study in Supan Court in Jersey City. And while they were doing, Pastor Jim Preto was doing the Bible study, I was there outside the house. Like I was smoking, you know. And then when I said to myself, I, I don't know why I was so asleep, asleep with this pack of cigarette. I was enjoying the Bible study, then I had to go out just to smoke. And then I found myself, beloved, removing the pack of cigarette, dropping, mm, mm. that's it, Lord. That's it. That's it. I, I, I treasure smoking, beloved. I was nine years old when I started smoking. Ang hirap yata. Huh? was very babi. Mahirap magkwit ng parinigarilyo. It's only by God's grace, Amen. I don't like the name Baptist also before, even the, the, the name born again. I don't like to hear that. You know, pag narinig ko yun, galit na galit ako. Kasi it was my mom who got converted first in, my, in our family. And I said to my mother, I don't know why you renounce your faith from the old faith Catholic. 
You've been there, you know, you have the callus on your knees already. And you've been, you always go to the church. And then you renounce your old faith, become a born-again Christian. I don't want to hear that. I don't feel like fellowshipping with them. But one day, beloved, one day, according to God's time, back in 1970, you know, I found myself crying, inviting Jesus into my heart, my Lord and Savior. I never forget that. I was 20 years old, 51 years ago. I never forget that, beloved, when I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I begin to love the name Baptist. I begin to love born-again words or statements, you know. Then I begin to expose myself in the church with Dr. Congressman Benny Abante, who was my mentor at the time. You see, that exactly how the Lord changed, amen, the heart. The change that God wants us to have is not just a one-time change at our conversion. The Bible teaches that we are continually changing our lives to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Could I amen to that? And in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, the Bible says to be conformed to the image of His Son. Deacon Robert Miguel, last, last time, he mentioned about, uh, you know, uh, Romans, his text, what, beautiful text in Romans 12, uh, 1, 2, and 3. Eh? I, so Apostle Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. And now, folks, listen to me now. In order to uh, understand what it means to be like God, to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, we must understand a little bit about the nature of God. And what is that? Now, theologian Henry Theism categorizes uh, the attributes of God as non-moral and also moral. God's non-moral attributes are those that define his existence as a divine being. And they are unattainable by mankind. It can never be attained by mankind. The Bible never teaches that the man will receive the attributes of, of God like omniscience or not at all. Like uh, omnipotence or powerful. Huh? Like uh, omnipresence. Exactly what Satan promised to Eve eh? to, uh, in the Garden of Eden. That once you partake this, uh, the fruit, then they become gods. Now folks, uh, on the other hand, God's moral attributes are attainable. And indeed, it is God's will for humans to one day possess them. And what is that? To be, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, the examples, beloved, of moral attributes can be found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, when the Bible says, And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are the fruit of God's Holy Spirit. And folks, if you keep continue reading the passage of Scripture up to verse 26, Verse 26, Apostle Paul is admonishing the believers 
if you want to live in the spirit, then you must also walk in the spirit. Brother, brother uh, Gilbert, could you please could, uh, project it, sir? Galatians chapter 5, 20, uh, 23 to 26, perhaps. Because I already, I already memorized the 22, 23. Galatians chapter 5. Okay. Okay. Oh, then, then, then 24. And then the verse 24. I mean, the last part of the verse 22 or verse 23, it says, uh, uh, back to, <laughs> make this temperance against such there is no law. And then the verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Now, Apostle Paul said, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen to that? Folks, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Beautiful, beloved. Amen? So that we may know what it means to be conformed to the image of his Son. Thank you, Brother Gilbert. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, he that saith he abided in him ought himself also to go to walk even as he walk. God expects us, beloved, to constantly strive to change our lives so that uh, we may be the person that he wants us to be. Amen? So God expects us to change. Then the second point here, beloved, not only that God expects us to change, but also man as well. Man expects us to change. Inaasahan ng tao ang ating pagbabago. Now once we put the word out that we are a Christian, beloved, once we tell the world that we are followers of Jesus Christ, not only God expects us to make changes so do people. Amen. Because man expects us to, to change. My beloved, living a clean Christian life have, I believe, uh, above, uh, living what we call a above reproach kind of life is not an easy task. Amen? Hindi po yan. It is not a simple venture or assignment to perform or to live the Christian life. Not at all. And you all know that. We all know that, beloved. We experience that ourselves. I've been a Christian for 51 years now. Huh? It's not that easy. Even the goat, Apostle Paul, what is the meaning of the goat? The word goat? Huh? The greatest of all. Huh? Greatest of all. Of all time. He failed in this quest, beloved. Apostle Paul failed in this mission. He admitted in, in his you know, letter to the Christians in Rome. You'll find it in Romans chapter 7. Uh, again, Brother Gilbert, please. Romans chapter 7. We're going to read verses 15 to 20. Romans chapter 7. Got it, sir? Okay. And verses uh, 15 to 20. Follow me now. 
For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more that, more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Did you get it, folks? Huh? It's, again, it's not a, that easy to live a Christian life. It's a difficult task to live above reproach life. Amen? Now, uh, the reason we have a public baptism or service, public baptism service, is to say to everyone, you know, I am uh, a born-again Christian. My wicked heart no longer leads me. I am now led by the Spirit of God. If you do not think so, put a tail on me and follow me around and you will see that I am no longer the person I once was. By the grace of God, beloved, only that we can do it. Amen? The fact that water baptism, beloved, is not the prerequisite for salvation but it's, it is the best seen in this example of a saved man who was not baptized in water. You'll find that, you know, the, the criminal at, at the, on, on the cross, on the cross, the uh, malefactor, you find it in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 43. After his conversion, after the, say, the first saying of Christ uh, of, with, with, to respond to the malefactor, when he said, Lord, remember me without coming to thy kingdom. And Christ said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Of course, uh, there's no way that he could be baptized because that would be his last chance. Uh, that would be the end of his life at the time. But thank God that he acknowledged Christ all by faith in him only. All by faith, not good works. Because there's nothing good in that person. Uh, nothing good in that person that he performed. He was a that's why he was there, he was crucified because he was a criminal. But uh, thanks be to God, and the grace of God, Christ could see the, the reality, the genuineness of his faith when he put his trust upon Jesus Christ. Now, again, beloved, however, water baptism is a beautiful picture of what our Lord has done for us since we have given our hearts to the Lord. For example, folks, as we, as we are completely immersed in the water, what is symbolized? It's symbolizing our burial with, with our Lord. Amen. As we are immersed into the water, it symbolizes Christ died for our sins. It symbolizes that uh, we are dying to sin. We are baptized into, the, into his death on the cross and are no longer slave to self or sin. In other words, when a minister baptizes a person, it's a picture of his death and burial, and death and burial of the person. 
from his own life. And when, when the minister raised the individual up out of the water, symbolizes the resurrection of Christ. There is a meaning of that, folks, spiritual meaning. We'll find it in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 7. When we are raised out of the water, we are symbolically, you know, uh, resurrected. Raised to, as the minister would say, raised to walk into the newness of life. To be with him forever. Born into the family of our loving God. You'll find that in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. So, beloved, water baptism also illustrates the spiritual cleansing that we experience when we are saved. Just as water, you know, cleanses the, the flesh, so the Holy Spirit of God also cleanses our hearts when we trust Christ for salvation. Amen? Now, baptism is to show the lost world our sins are buried with, with Christ. And now we have risen with Christ. He died for sin, and now we have died to sin. Now, those who are watching in this live stream, if you already trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but you have never followed the Lord in waters of baptism, then it's about time because it's a, you know, it's a mandate from God, mandate from the Lord. It's the first step of obedience. In other words, before you can communicate with God, before you can say, Lord, I'd like to live for you, then you must follow the waters of baptism because that's the first step of obedience. You know, uh, it is a mandate on the Lord. And I remember the, in Acts chapter 2, isn't it? 3,000 souls got converted. And then after that, they were baptized also. And they were added to the church. And also uh, the story of Cornelius and his household. After Peter uh, shared the gospel to them and to his household, Cornelius also and his household were baptized. And then also the Philippian jailer as well. Amen? But most of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, he set to us a good example about baptism. Now could you imagine, love, he has to travel from Nazareth at a time all the way to the Jordan River, like 60 miles away, just to show the importance of baptism. It needs to be submerged underwater. If baptism, beloved, is not, it's only like immersion and sprinkling, like sprinkling and pouring, just like our old faith practices until now, then Christ could have said to John the Baptist, you know, just give me a, a bucket of water, you know, here in, in, uh, in Nazareth, that I will just pour my head like this with water, and I'm done. But beloved, Christ has to walk. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 3. He has to walk like 60 miles away, the nearest Jordan River. The name of the place is Beth Abara. It's like the name of my, 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 my wife's cousin, you know. And that's where Christ, baptized by John the Baptist, submerged underwater, much water needed. Amen? So when a believer is publicly baptized, he is saying to the public, that's the reason why I'm using this illustration, beloved. He says to the public, I am no longer controlled by his wicked heart, by this uh, wicked heart of mine. 
In Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, the Bible says, And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh. Now, folks, uh, the, the meanest, or I would say the wicked, the evil person, evil man in the Texas uh, prison system, penitentiary was a title well earned by the name of Clyde Thompson. Clyde Thompson, beloved, two-time murderer at age of 17. Youngest man in Texas to be given the death sentence. But six hours before he was to die, his sentence was commuted to life in prison. And after that, Thompson uh, engineered three unsuccessful escape attempts and then murdered two fellow inmates. And he was labeled as uh, incorrigible. Huh? Incorrigible. Meaning to say, he was labeled as a hopeless man. Wala <laughs> pag-asa. Cannot be reformed at all. That's the meaning of incorrigible. And given a solitary confinement cell. But after 20 years, he was gloriously saved. And became a new creature in Christ. And then he was released from prison. And he spent the rest of his life serving as a minister. Could you imagine? Huh? He became a minister. After he died a few years ago of natural causes. Now what made the difference in Clyde Thompson? A guard gave Clyde Thompson a Bible to read. And Jesus came into his life. And then, could you imagine a four-time huh? four, four murderer in solitary confinement? And according to the story, changed completely. Or completely changed. All by the grace of God, amazingly changed. If God could change the heart and life of Clyde Thompson, beloved, do you think he can change ours? Amen. Matthew, the tax collector during the time of Christ, one of the apostles. Changed from a corrupt tax collector to a respected apostle, even willing to give back the money that he had gotten from the, the people because he was a tax collector. Eh? Zacchaeus also changed from a thief to a man who gave half his possessions to the poor after his conversion, evidence of a changed heart as well. Apostle Paul, or the great Apostle Paul, changed from a terror to the Christian church to a wonderful preacher of the gospel. While on his way to Damascus, he would like to have his authority to kill more believers, kill more Christians. And yet the Lord, Jesus Christ, appeared to him in Damascus Road, and he got converted, he got saved. Now, based on King James Version, beloved, only, don't you know that 
of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine? After his conversion, out of 179,000 words written uh, in the New Testament, total words written by Apostle Paul was 50,190 words. What a change, huh? Wow, 28%. And something? That's how the Lord changed his life. And he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Christ said, Now folks, if you want to change your life, then change it. Change is possible. Would I mean to that? Again, if you want to change your life, then change is possible. There is hope for a new beginning, beginning and a new way of life. When we evaluate what we think we need to change in our lives, beloved, the question, what type of change do we usually think of? You know, probably we think of external changes. We think of external changes that need to be made, such as, you know, quit smoking, so what I did in my life, quit drinking, quit cursing, quit, uh, uh, you know, gossiping, quit womanizing, quit gambling. The list could go on and on. But beloved, even unbelievers can perform this kind of reformation, isn't it? Even better than the believers, sad to say. And these changes, beloved, are good. They are necessary. They are essential. However, God wants us to do more than just change externally. Uh, God wants us to change internally as well. Did you hear me, folks? He wants us to change internally. Because until we change internally, we are not going to change externally. Obviously. Amen? Amen. That's what we call uh, we need the transformation in the heart, not just reformation. I told you before, beloved, before, I was in a, uh, an Arsio Catholic. I attended the Corsilio because I wanted to change, to be changed by the Lord. Yeah, there was change, quitting a lot of the stops. But after several months, it came back again. Why? Because only reformation, just like a rehab. Rehabilitation. I have been rehabbed. I have been reformed. Only here on the mind. But not here on the heart. But when the Lord transformed my heart, beloved, I'm telling you, I was a new person. I'm a new person. And thank God for that. Amen? And these changes, again, are good. God wants our hearts to be right with him and not just our outward appearances and actions. 1 Samuel chapter 16. God told Samuel to go to the house of Jesse and anoint one of his sons to be the next king. And Samuel saw one of Jesse's sons, Eliab, and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. He selected Eliab. But the Lord told Samuel not to consider his appearance or his height. 
for he had rejected him. And listen, beloved, the Lord does not look at the things men looks at. Amen? Man looks at the outward appearance, but beloved, listen to this. Look, God looks at the heart. Amen? In Samuel 16, verse 7, the Bible says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. Kasi si David, maliit lang siya. A Filipino height. Hindi siya pinili ni Samuel kasi maliit lang eh. Pero kung maging king, eh si King Saul, guwapo at matangkad. Malaking mama. Eh hindi ba pwede yan? Sabi ng Panginoon. So, because I sabi, sabi na pagnon because I I have refused him for the Lord saith not as a man seeth for man looketh on his outward appearance but the Lord looketh on the heart. So it's the heart that matters to God, beloved. Amen. You might be telling me, Pastor Max, you know I'm I'm not a good-looking guy. I'm a short guy. I don't think God can call me in the ministry. Oh, God knows your heart, huh? He can use you mightily. Eh? He can use you mightily. I'm so proud to be son-in-law. Huh? Not only that he is a good-looking guy, you know. He's also a man of God, I tell you. And I'm so blessed every time he prays, either opening or closing prayer. It's like a sermon already. I said, when, when do you think, Pastor Sam, stop this prayer? <laughs> Boy, it's a lot of deep vocabulary. A lot of words, you know, installed in his mind. Uh, I tell you, folks. And thank God for him. So, take note here. It's the heart that matters to God. In the New Testament, Jesse, or I mean the Lord Jesus Christ, condemned the Pharisees and religious leaders for outwardly appearing saintly and holy, but inwardly, the Bible says, remaining far from God. In Matthew 2, 23, verses 27 to 28, the Bible says, Woe to you, teachers of the, the, the law! And Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like uh, whitewashed tombs which look uh, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to uh, people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Is it what is on the inside that matters to God again, beloved? Amen. My conclusion here, folks, how can we change our hearts in order to please God? First of all, we need to ask God for help. Or I would say, we need to ask God for help. That's very important, beloved. Amen? David recognized all the horrible things that he had done and prayed for a new heart. You'll find it in Psalm 51, verse 10. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right 
spirit within me. Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. This wicked hearts, beloved, we have are so deceptive, isn't it? For example, someone can do a wicked deed and then immediately we see them as being a wicked person. But if we do the same wicked deed, it really isn't that bad at all. And who, how, how we tend to downplay our sin, isn't it? We tend to downplay our sin, to water it down. And that is to tell ourselves, you know, it's no big deal or not as bad as our neighbor's sin. Not as bad as my, my brother or sisters in Christ's sin. Yeah, we're trying to, you know, like compare them to the others who committed sin in their lives. And today, beloved, we might say our heart is always attempting to, to con or tempt or persuade into believing something. In the grammar, the word deceit is a uh, cognate or deceive, same as similar meaning of deceive, which means to mislead, which means to, uh, to cheat, to give a false appearance or impression, to lead astray, to impose a false idea, to obscure, you know, the truth. A con artist, beloved, is a very dangerous person. And he can make you think he is someone, but he is not. Have you heard of the story of Frank Abagnale? The story of Frank Abagnale, Italian guy, huh? who uh, impersonated Pan Am pilot, a doctor and a lawyer, and traveled around the world, scammed people for millions. And then uh, the Hollywood uh, got interested with this life story, evil story, that even Stephen Spielberg. Remember that movie, Catch Me If You Can? Oh, that's it. That's the story of Frank Abagnale, beloved. Catch Me If You Can. And the actor uh, acts for us for Frank uh, Abagnale was uh, Leonardo uh, Di Carpio. And then the FBI, like, kept chasing the, uh, this guy, Frank, was uh, uh, Tom Hank. They're all professional actors. They make a lot of money. So Stephen Spielberg was interested with the story of Frank Abagnale. Huh? And uh, this guy, Frank Abagnale, at the age of 16 to 21, he was a uh, con man, you know, uh, he was a con man, he was a check forger, an imposter, because one of that uh, most notorious imposters at the age of 22. He served five years in prison, and because of his ability in, in deception, actually he was also imprisoned in France. But because of a lot of, uh, uh, you know, crimes he committed in the U.S., FBI uh, took him from France and brought him in the States, okay? And because of his uh, ability in deception, the FBI offered to him oh, to work for them. Could you imagine? <laughs> to work for them because of his expertise as a good man, you know? 
And presently, Sibinito years old, he's older than me. And uh, he, he is now a lecturer for FBI Academy, Academy this time. Can you imagine? And then he owns uh, a financial fraud uh, consultancy company. Can you imagine that? And to, to get in into the FBI, it's it, 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 uh, it, not an easy. It will take you some time. You need to have, you need to be graduating Harvard University, you know, or a backer, or you should pass the board exam, or the exam for this, to be, to be able to get in. But this guy, a con man, a con artist, he was offered the kind of job because of his expertise. And he's still alive, beloved. Look it up in Facebook, I mean in, in YouTube. Frank Abagnale. And every time I heard him story, beloved, because he was invited by Google to testimony, to testify to the people that, about his expertise when it comes to, you know, uh, that kind of uh, stuff. And uh, amazing, uh, if you watch them, beloved, in YouTube, well, this guy, how, how in the world are they able to get away with it, you know? Uh, beloved, in uh, our wicked hearts can make us think that we are something we are, but we, but we are not. Huh? Regardless of how far a person's heart is from God, God can change it. Amen? As a matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, come now and let us reason together. And Pastor Sam always quote this passage of scriptures. Says the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like, red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Now this beautiful assurance, beloved, mind you here, is not addressed to the unbelievers. Okay? Because, uh, but to the blood-bought believers, because uh, John mentioned the word we and us, you know, ours. So this is actually for the believers, for the Christians. Okay? Addressed to the Christians. So for years, for years, beloved, the opening of the wide world of sports television program illustrated the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. I did not watch football ever since the opening of the season. Because why? Because some players disrespect our national anthem. You know, by kneeling down, and that's a very un unpatriotic uh, gesture. Uh, but last Sunday, during the Super Bowl 55, how many of you watched the Super Bowl 55 last Sunday? Only me and Pastor, Pastor Sam. Huh? It was held at Tampa, Florida. Home court of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Of the National Football League. I watched for free. <laughs> I watched it for free. You know, through the help of Pastor Sam. Through my laptop. I enjoyed the game because my team won. Yeah, the thrill of victory, beloved. The thrill of victory of Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. He is a friend of Donald Trump. That's why I like him also. Huh? I hope the Facebook will not remove this. 
line. Uh, widely considered to be the greatest quarterback of all time. He, he was actually he's the, the GOAT now. Uh, he is the, the, the good friend of former president, the, the, the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. On the other hand, the agony of defeat went to where? The Kansas City Chief. Uh, Kansas City Chief of the American Football League. Patrick Lavon Mahomes II, a young man, 25 years old, the quarterback, a young man. And uh, they were actually the defending champion, actually. And uh, they thought that they would win again. But no. Eh? Now, why did I use this illustration, folks? Because that's basically the life, uh, the Christian life likened unto. Amen? The, uh, you know, uh, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. In other words, we need constantly the guidance and wisdom uh, from God to keep our hearts pure, to keep our hearts clean. The only way God can use us, beloved, as the Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? Now, the angels do not know it. Even the devil also does not know it. Only the spirit of man can know the things of a man within him. Amen? No one can stand before the Lord on judgment day and say, you know, Lord, I did not know. I had wicked heart. If you have wickedness in your heart, folks, no one in this building may know it. No one in this congregation today, in the sanctuary, can know it. If you have a wicked heart this time. But, but you know it yourself. You know it yourself. Once we are born again. Huh? Not born against, Kaba. Where did you get that <laughs> message, huh? From Deacon Bobby last Wednesday. Born against ka ba? Yan ang mga tokso ng mga, ha? mga taong galit sa mga born again believers. They don't like us. Ha? We see God expects us to change. Inasahan ng Diyos ang ating pagbabago. Also man expects us to change. Inasahan ng Panginoon o ng tao ang ating pagbabago. In my closing folks, just to remind you again. Beloved, that when Jesus admonished the disciples as to what is the greatest commandment. In his conversation with a certain lawyer who uh, asked him, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And the Lord responded as to what, the, what, what he told to Moses. I said what he told to Moses because Christ was, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. Before Abraham was God. So even before Moses, God was Christ was already there. Amen? So he said to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine. The first word is what? Heart. Not soul, not mind, but heart. And with all thy soul and with all thy mind, instead of also, instead of might, 
what he said to Moses, but what he said to the lawyer is the word mind. Huh? The word mind. Because remember, he was talking to a lawyer. He was talking to a lawyer. And uh, you find that in Matthew 22, verse 37. Because mind refers to brain. Mind refers to intellect. Mind refers to uh, uh, reasoning or judgment. And he was talking to a lawyer. And God, Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, emphasizes to that uh, lawyer that you have to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Bottom line, folks, our Savior clearly stated, for believers to love God, we have to love him with all our, again, hearts. That's the first commandment, first and foremost, before our soul and mind. Because he knows that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now, beloved, Satan knows your name. Satan knows your name. But he calls you by your name. Isn't it? On the other hand, our God knows, your, knows our sin. Your sin and my sin. But he calls you and me by our names. Amen? Amen, folks? I hope that the message, simple message, beloved, would bless you in this Valentine's Day celebration. Again, the contrast between the heart of that symbol symbolizes the soul, I mean the love, and also in the Bible that heart symbolizes sin. Let's bow his for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us. We don't die, with, with, with thy Holy Spirit helps, Lord God. That once we are born again into the forever family, once we experience the spiritual birth, that as our Heavenly Father, you gave us the privilege and the power to become the children, Lord, as you have said in uh, 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 John chapter 1, verse 12, that you expect us to change. And the people also surrounds us, oh God, expects us to change as well. It could be our immediate loved ones. It could be our relatives. It could be our friends, our classmates, co-workers. May this message, Lord God, will sink. Will sink into our hearts and souls and mind as thy children indeed. If we love truly, or if we truly love you genuinely, we love you, then great change will follow. Father, I pray that you bless the people, bless our hearts, which one in Christ name we pray. Amen. Amen.